gentlemen, boys and girls, good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic. Welcome to the Dear Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. For those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. Thank you for your investment of time of which you do not get back. And because of that, I will do my best to ensure that your investment is well invested. And for those of you returning once again and joining us on this journey, I appreciate you, as always. Uh, your investment as well, as you know, will go well invested. And um, thank you to all of you. You have my sincerest gratitude for paving the foundation for the generation that succeeds us. Because what is life if you can't create a better quality of it for those that come after you? And by engaging with the Dura Human Paradox and understanding and furthermore applying these paradoxical health theories, we're doing just that. And uh, we have a unique opportunity uh, now in today's day, modern times, more than ever, because we have the ability to challenge information in many ways than one. <laughs> so uh, by doing so, um, you know, it, it, it gives it gives us multiple perspectives. And I think that that's something that we can use to to provide more opportunity for those that come that come after us. But as we go ahead and get started, as per usual, on this day in history, in 1949, George Orwell's 1984 is published. And when I did this, I actually learned something new that George Orwell is actually a nom de plume. There's not even his real name. <laughs> so, so if you've never read uh, 1984, because I, I haven't, I'm going to now because now I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested. Um, but it is one of those literary works just from what I've read that has influenced a lot, um, a lot of modern modern literature. And I think it's I think it's always interesting to see how these works withstand the test of time. Right. We're talking three, four, five, six, seven decades uh, and, and is that seven? Yeah, seven decades. And, you know, some books are created and don't even make it through a, a couple years. So it just show, goes to show the genius of some of some creators and how appreciative we have to be of this, this ability of people to create things and, and give us uh, and, and give us the ability to use our imagination with what is what's with what's to come. And I feel like just with the synopsis that I read of 1984, that, you know, it does reinforce this idea that we frequently talk about with where we are is where we are. But in under in, in order to have an idea of where we're going, we need to have at least known where we we've been. And, and George Orwell has a few works like, um, uh, down and out, and Animal Farm, and on top of that, 1984, um, where where it, it 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 has a very grim look on the future, you know. But <laughs> it, it's it's definitely uh, uh the the in uh, what I say is the greatest thing about information is that it gives us the ability to 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 challenge the mind, right? Education is, is not simply to be educated on something; it, it gives us this this ability to challenge what is there. And to to create another perspective, and I think that's something fantastic to think to, to think about and consider. So, <clears throat> let's go, besides that, right? Let's go ahead and get started on what we're going to talk about today. As I take a sip of my water, um, let's uh, let, let let let's 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 look up a definition of something really quick, just just for the sake of argument, because I'm here. I wanna I wanna type in something since I'm sitting in front of my computer today. I actually have it open. Uh, generally, I'm just talking to a blank screen. So 
Um, let's see. What I just typed in is a three letter word that has a tremendous power. And it, it's a word that I'm sure everyone listening to this is familiar with. It's a word that I'm sure that you've heard before. And it's a word that I'm sure that um, has a, a variations of context. But I mean, it's 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 complex, right? Just to, for something to be so short, three letters, it's extremely complex. And despite what we're going to talk about today, there is there is so much interpretation when it comes to this word that it, it, it will make your head spin. But but some of the most uh, fantastical interpretations of the word is by some of the what I would consider smartest most intelligent individuals of, of the past two centuries, right? People like Carl Jung and, and Friedrich Nietzsche and, and, um, I mean, I mean, Sigmund Freud, there's so many people that I, I could, the psychoanalysts that I could really talk about and philosophers who really allowed us to understand the way that the mind works. And then furthermore, uh, apply it, put it on text for us to then further dive into and kind of see this whole idea of like where we're going. And, you know, there's just the idea uh, if you if you guys haven't figured it out yet with this three letter word is really not to dive into it too much because there are some things that should just be left to interpretation. But it's to present, as we previously discussed, a different perspective. And the word power beyond belief is ego and ego. By definition, OK, because that's what I wanted to look up before I even said it is um Let's see a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Now, sometimes I've noticed that uh, there is a negative connotation when people talk about ego. They say someone's egotistical or they have too much of a big ego. And just by looking at these de this first primary definition, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance is judged by self. So there, it doesn't say a person's uh, someone else's interpretation of a person's self-esteem or someone else's interpretation of a person's self-importance. It simply says a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. So for someone else to say that someone has too much of an ego is a contradictory statement. In fact, just based on that definition alone, it wouldn't make sense. Right. It, it, it'd be it'd be one of those statements where it just, it sounds weird and it felt weird. It, it didn't, it doesn't fit the narrative. So when discussing ego, it's safe to say that only the self can determine what ego truly is, both in quality and in size. So let's look at the remainder of the definitions. So I mentioned a few names here just recently, a couple of psychoanalysts that have some some great interpretations of human cognition. And for the psychoanalytic definition, it says ego is the part of the mind that mediates that's underlined between the conscious and the unconscious also underlined and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. Now, just by reading that, it's the first time I, I've, I've read these definitions. So, right, we're going through this together. <laughs> is dude, I broke it up into into a, a couple, three parts specifically. Okay, the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious is responsible for reality testing. 
And then three, a sense of personal identity. So again, interpretations of the self. So only a self can, can interpret the self. For someone else to say something about an ego is irrelevant. Okay. It's, 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 it's an irrelevant interpretation. Okay. And, and that's going to, and that's going to matter here in a little bit when we kind of talk about modern application. Okay. We're building up to it. Don't worry. Stick with me. And then the third definition, as we frequently discuss, for those of you that may be joining us for the first time, you may not uh, understand it, but for those of you that are returning, you definitely have an idea of where we're going with this. We discuss philosophy a lot because, you know, philosophy is, is one of the underlying foundations of every single thing that we do. Every single thing that you do, that you interact with, whether it be technology, whether it be others, your work, your profession, your job, whatever you want to call it, has some sort of tie to philosophy in, in some sort of capacity. OK, and it's important that we highlight some of these things uh, to, to really, truly understand them, because it's like if you've ever played the telephone game, sometimes things get lost from their origin. Right. Somebody says, oh, the, the word of the day is is red. And then by the time it gets to the person at the end, it'll be like top down with with the back opened up. And it's like, how do, what the hell? What, what happened here? <laughs> OK, um, the philosophy gives us almost like a a a breadcrumb trail to where it all stemmed from and whether that be uh just stoic philosophy or whether that be greek philosophy because i be, believe that the stoics borrowed a lot from greek philosophy uh it's still it's it, it gives us some origin and for the philosophical definition it says a conscious thinking subject it's extremely vague to me <laughs> but if we look at the similarities between all the definitions again we can say that the interpretation of self is the commonality. So what we want to begin to establish is that ego is only defined by the self. Someone couldn't tell you about the size or quality of an ego unless they were describing themselves. So if someone says in with a negative connotation that someone else has too much of an ego or has too large of an ego or their ego is going to get them in trouble. How can you say what that is if ego can only be determined by the, by the self across all definitions, right? We don't have to go too deep because we understand that in psychoanalytic theory, how they talk about the ego and so in, in philosophy, how they relate self and the ego, and then how just the basic definition is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And why I decided to mention this and kind of go in, 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 into the basic definition of it, right? Thank, thank, thank you to Oxford Languages <laughs> uh, and Google. So it is because there is a frequently a negative connotation behind this idea of ego. And I believe that that connotation is placed with ego because it is not truly understood what ego is. In this episode, this show is not designed to really dive into what uh, how the psychoanalytic theory talks about ID and ego and superego and what that truly means for self-discovery and the individual to understand themselves, right? That is up for personal interpretation. And if you actually, if you want to know more about that, then you can purchase the Dura Human Paradox book, which goes into much, much more detail. <clears throat> but this isn't designed for that. This is designed to for you to take something away today and apply it into real life context. So when we talk about ego, especially in competitive environments, ego is crucial. 
because without ego, arguably you wouldn't have the ability to compete at a high enough level and high enough is relative to the individual. But when we talk about human performance, the goal is always to try to compete at the next level because we under we obviously don't know what the limitations of human of the human machine or human performance is in general, right? Because there's always some individual that comes along and challenges what we consider improbable or impossible. You know, they, they break speed records, they, they break vertical leap records, they, they break scoring records, they break distance records, and it happens all the time. And before that individual came along, you know, we could, we could question whether or not it was possible, but they prove that that was just you know, just a, a momentary limitation. And if it was not for ego, that wouldn't be possible because ego in a negative connotation, right? If somebody labels an ego is almost like an, an, an inhibitor to performance, but in competition, right? Because that's, we, we discussed embracing competition in one of previous episodes. So if you really want the context about that and you have to go back and listen to it. But when we talk about ego and competition, you are com you are going to compete if you acknowledge that you are capable of something greater. OK, let's for the sake of argument, <clears throat> you acknowledge that you're capable of something greater. You acknowledge that, you know, maybe you have some limitations, but you know that those limitations may cause you to work harder in, in, in other areas. You got to make up for it, whatever they may be. With that ego, you can use it as and I, and I, I'm hesitant to say it <laughs> as boosters <laughs> to overcome those limitations, to be able to perform alongside and against people who may not have those limitations, because to say that you would be the first athlete, to say that you would be the first person to say that you would be the, the first uh, professional that was competing in a space in which they were limited or in which they experience more adversity than the average person would be a crime against humanity. Um, excuse me, a crime against humankind, because there have been many individuals before us that have, that have paved the road, that have uh, minimized trial and error, that gave us the ability to to challenge the known information, challenge what we have now in order to to overcome limitations and to truly begin to understand what it means to be elite and where, if any, the limitations actually sit. And I know that's kind of complex and, and it's, it may be difficult for some to understand, but just realize that whoever you are right now, if you have some sort of aspiration to be greater, but you have things working against you, understand that out of the history of humankind, you are not the first person to have experienced what you are experiencing right now or to have experienced it worse and still overcame it. So if they can do it, so can you. So this idea of ego is not meant to have the individual walk around with a chip on their shoulder. It's not meant for the individual to think like, you know, they're, they're the toughest, roughest person out there and that nobody can stop them. It's this idea of acknowledging that, yes, okay, limitations exist. Yes, I may have them, but I know that I'm capable of more. And I know that people before me have had less and been able to do more. So if I have more than them, why can't I do more and then continue this cycle of humankind breaking limitations? Because as always, these are tools and how each and every single one of us use them 
to, to build, to construct, to tear down, to rebuild, to pave roads for the generation that comes after us to break speed records on is completely up to us. But the verdict is if it's not attempted, then we'll never know if it was even possible. But until next time, stay durable, my friends.